You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Welcome to the Waystation. To ensure traveler safety and comfort, please deposit your baggage at the door. The Waystation encourages open discussions. All stories are also accepted. Rest from your journey through life. Enjoy your stay, and please come again. Welcome back to the Waystation. I'm your host, Stephanie. Oh, yeah, and I'm your other host, Jason. Temp host. Oh, come on. I'm the I'm the other host. No, because I'm, Megan, I no, me and Megan discussed no. this. Her spot is always open here if she wants to come I'm back. I'm the sub-host. That's what I just said. <laughs> the temp host. Temp and sub are not the same thing. Oh, my God. We're going to fight in the streets outside after this episode. Maybe we should. Uh, I'm going to Facebook Live that shit. Yeah. <laughs> and today, we, we have no Dave. Today, we have a Randy. What's up? Randy. <laughs> Oh, Uh, my goodness. So uh, before we get into anything uh, on the second half of the show, we will be interviewing uh, Joseph Dewis. Uh, He has a new comic coming out called Dr. Orange, and uh, it's going to be hitting Kickstarter soon. So look for that in about an hour when we after we're done talking bullshit (laughs) for an hour. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, So how was your week, Shim? Um, It was kind of. You know, super boring because my job is super boring. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I've been watching a lot of reruns on Adult Swim, which is also kind of boring, but <laughs> mostly because after I get home from work, I'm really bored. But I did do something really, really exciting yesterday. What's that? I played three Blitzball matches in Final Fantasy X on my PC and oh my I god. won them all. Oh my God. None of that is exciting. Blitzball is fucking stupid it's yeah, it the worst terrible. thing ever yeah. i refuse to play it when i yeah. played that game a um, million years ago when it came out <laughs> monday i got to drive my dad around because he had uh, I, I took the day off work because my dad had carpal tunnel surgery and i got to drive him around so i also got to spend the rest of the day not being at work which is kind of cool because i still get paid uh other than that i've been doing some interesting science reading which we might bring up later Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I have my finger to my lips like, ooh, like I really do. Mm-hmm. Yes. How was your week, Stephanie? I hear it's been a little rough for you. Oh, no, it, it's just been busy. Um, uh, I'm working on a, a piece for an anthology, and so I had to I, – I got some notes back from my editor, so I had to work on that, and it didn't take long. It was just, you know, editing is always fun. Um and, you know, I worked the last three nights at Falling Down Beer Company where you can get delicious pear cider, which is what I'm drinking right now. It's very good. For a dollar off if you mention you heard it on this podcast. Exactly. Oh, man. I didn't even know that. I know. I oh didn't either. God, that's amazing. <laughs> and I worked there. Well, that's for that, for that's that, that $1 button. For. That makes sense. I didn't know, I didn't know what it was for. Now I'm just like, I'm going to use it. <laughs> Whatever it's for, I'm using it. Um, yes, I worked there the last three nights, and now I'm here doing this. I said you're working on that anthology. I know me personally, I have a lot of ideas right now, and I'm having a very hard time writing anything down. But how's how's the uh, old creative uh, mind grapes working for you? Uh, good. I have almost finished putting together the uh, trade 
for Psychopath. It's looking really good. Uh, and actually, this is going to be my first announcement of who's writing the foreword for it. I actually spoke with him and he said I was allowed, I'm allowed to tell people. Uh, so Tom Hutchison, who's been on the show before, he's a friend of the show. Um, he's also been on Tales from the Con side and he actually helped give birth to that show. He was, uh, he was part of the creation process for it. So it was pretty cool. Uh, but he's going to be writing the forward for it. It's pretty awesome. Um, he actually has a Kickstarter going right now. Uh, Penny for your soul. Um, it's already well over its goal in the first day, like thousands of dollars over its goal. And for uh, those of us who might not be in the loop, um, what works would we know him from? Um, well, I mean, he, Big Dog Inc. is like his company. There's lots of different titles. There you go. A whole company. Right. Like Critter is one of his. Um, and it's not like Critter is like the 80s creepy ass, you know, little things. Gonna admit slightly disappointed, but continue. No, it's like a hot chick with a tail. Okay, that's fine. You're fine with that, right? I mean, I mean, I can go without the tail, but I'm not gonna like say no to the tail. Right. You just, just go with it. Yeah, just go with Um, it. But Penny for Your Soul is really, really cool. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna back it. I was gonna do it when I was looking at it earlier. And then my dog started barking. Roxy, of course. She's the, she's the little asshole. Did she pee too? Probably. You just didn't find it yet. today. You'll find some. No, she only does that when she gets excited. I know. She had nothing to get excited about Aww. today. <laughs> like, I know, right? Um, so yeah, he did the forward. So that's going to be, um, uh, as soon as I get that from him and get, uh, uh, Micah Myers is doing the lettering. He's going to letter that for me and he did the, the new cover and he's helping me put it all together. I so see the cover looks, looks pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's pretty sweet. rad. It, it kind of, I think I can, it works with the art style, the rest of it, but it's, it's, it's different. But it's different and it's yeah. its own thing. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was important. But anyway, so that will be um out within the next month. And then also within the next month I will have copies of The Last Heist available. Hey, guess who wrote the forward to my book? Me? Yeah. <laughs> I, do I remember doing that? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you, I remember you, doing that. Yeah, you wrote that. Yeah, <laughs> and speaking of that, I should have my second book out mm, within the next two to three years. All right, J.R.R. Martin, yeah. Jer Martin, Jer Martin. Yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really kind of try and hustle that out because, um, not that like, not that I expect my book to be a movie series, but okay, there's this movie now. It's I don't know. It's about like psychic kids or something, and like all this stuff is like irritating me because it's like I have this book that I feel is as good or better than a lot of this like YA movies and. I started writing before like the whole young adult thing was a thing and to be frankly honest I mean we've talked about this basically my 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 book would qualify as young adult fiction. Yeah, no it definitely yeah. would um now that now that I edited out all the Hardcore sex scenes. All the hardcore lesbian the weird hardcore lesbian sex scenes. Well they have like- to be weird. I don't know I, I don't have a vagina. You're not a lesbian. I just have to know. I just have to guess. It's all guesswork. <laughs> No, there was it was a little bit racier, but it was also a little bit dumber in other parts too. Well, I mean, that's it took you ten years to write it, so it's it, it you grow up. Yeah. It's a process, yeah. so you know, so. whatever. But you know, we're both creators. We I know, super fun. So that's what we've been up to. Uh, but we need to talk about this whole James Gunn thing that just like went down today. Because first of all, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't heard about it. 
Uh, James Gunn got fired from Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which he had already started writing. It was due out in like 2020. And he got fired because 10 years ago, there was like maybe eight or 10 tweets that somebody found. And I'm going to, Randy's in the know about this. So I'm going to have Randy explain who this idiot is that dug up these tweets. But he dug up these tweets from like 10 years ago that were, it was obviously jokes that, yeah, they were in really poor taste. They weren't funny, but. If you know anything about James Gunn's career, I mean, he's done like he's worked with trauma. I mean, that's all you have to say. He's worked with trauma. So like his level of what he thinks is funny is guttery and whatever. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Like if you're not like, like, okay, the way you explain it, like if you're not familiar with trauma, it's like weird horror comedy where like. What did you say earlier? Like, oh, you watch some guy's head get like run over by a car. Like, it's dark. Yeah, and they show it, and yeah. it's like everything. Yeah, it's very, um, very bloody and over the top and just gross, and it's awesome. And before we get into um, what happened, breaking Dave Bautista has already come to his uh, his defense, oh, and yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of that. Yeah, no, that's not. I, I knew that before I even started driving here, bro. Oh, it's not really breaking news. Okay, but. six hours ago on BBC. Okay. <laughs> Give me a break. I don't know how time works. But anyway. Are they in so the future? They're in the future, so it's okay, yeah. right? Right. right. <laughs> who is this douchebag, Randy? So James Gunn was fired because Mike Cernovich found these old tweets and shared them. Mike Cernovich is a host of the Alex Jones show on uh, InfoWars, and he's a promoter of Pizzagate, the – Democrats' child sex scandal ring that was completely fake ran out yep. of a pizza parlor, the basement of a pizza parlor that didn't have a basement. Uh, so that's why it was <laughs> called Pizzagate. Um, and he alleges that date rape is a liberal creation. Right. So you can't – like, so he doesn't believe in rape, but he is going to call somebody out for making jokes about touching people inappropriately. And other and other sorts. I mean, I read the jokes. There's nothing in there that I haven't heard from somebody else somewhere before. And I'm, yeah, while they're in bad taste, it was ten years ago. He was a nobody. I mean, he was doing things, but he's not like James Gunn now, like where he's doing Marvel movies with Disney. He was not on that level. Nobody cared. And the fact that this guy has to go dig up this stuff. I mean, does this guy have no life? Like, why go after James no, Gunn? He does not. I mean, I feel like the, did he uh, he's personally... going after James Gunn because James Gunn is anti-Trump. Oh, so he's just OK. He's looking for a reason. Yep. You know, Trump sticking his own grave at this point. Just. Why? Why go after people like, you know what? Everybody that's anti-Trump, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. He's digging his own grave. I'm going to wait for him to fall in it and bury himself in it because it's going to happen. And if it doesn't, we're in bizarro land and. I, I whatever I don't well, want I don't want I don't like to do politics because let's I don't not get into that yeah I don't want to be but, political but that's that's crazy to go after somebody it would be just like if it was the reverse like somebody going after somebody because they were pro Trump just I'm, because of that you should not do that it's somebody's political belief you shouldn't go after them just for that that doesn't make any sense the other thing too unless you're a dick is, is what <laughs> I don't, what I really don't get here is why did the studio execs take the bait on this why did they say okay this is a good reason to fire this guy they should i mean it's basically i mean i don't care what your affiliation might be like for instance you know fox 
is run by a conservative. Uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch, I think, is still in charge. Um, but regardless of the, the affiliation of maybe like, you know, your programs or the people on it, that sort of thing, you do not want to associate yourself with something that is ultra right or left because it usually just makes you look like an idiot. Right. And you cannot get more, I mean, outside of like the Nazi, um, the alt, Right, Nazis. You can't get more alt right than like Infowars. It's just it, they, they make literally make stuff up just to make people mad and also to convince people that the world's ending so Alex Jones can sell his uh, men's supplements. Because really, the whole thing is a marketing ploy for him to sell supplements. <laughs> like, and I'm not even kidding. But oh my god, is this even our lives? Like, yeah, is this, this is, the world so, we live in. <laughs> so some some studio execs looked at this thing, either didn't do any research or did do the research, and were like. We need, to, we need to get on this before it blows out of hand. You know what, James Gunn? Thanks for all the money. You're gone. Yeah, honestly, in, in this is my opinion. They should have just ignored it because yeah. it, we're giving somebody power who shouldn't have power. He should, that person's word shouldn't have sway over somebody's job and i think that goes like and it goes for the other side too because i've seen people get fired or be harassed because they're pro or they're uh pro trump yeah and just because somebody believes something doesn't mean that we should attack them or treat them poorly honestly now if you're an asshole yeah that's if you're an asshole and you're a bigot or a racist or any of that shit then yeah i'm gonna treat you accordingly because you deserve that but like if you if you like trump because you thought uh, he was going to help improve the middle class. I think you're dumb, but I'll give you that. <laughs> if you like Trump because you like that racist stuff he said, you know, before, and and you like that he called a bunch of Nazis and nice nice people, we might he, have a problem. And then he made fun of uh, yeah. people with disabilities. Yeah. Which well, really... I don't I don't want to make I don't want to make this a bad Trump thing, but it's like it, it, yeah. it it's a difficult for me. And like we've had this conversation, it's difficult for us knowing what he stands for to accommodate people in our lives that um that uh believe in him but there there are there are certain lines exactly and 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 this one is clearly just across that line right it's just being negative to be negative and disney shouldn't have put any credence into what this person's trying to do. Also, if Disney doesn't like these tweets, why did they hire him for Guardians of the Galaxy in the first place? They've been out there for years. Yeah, exactly. Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm yeah. sure Disney has like the best vetting process ever because, I mean, there's a lot of kids around constantly <laughs> everywhere. Mm, I mean, yeah. I don't, I'm just, I'm just saying. No, I, I don't, don't have know, knowledge but. of that, so I don't want to speak to how they vet, you know, wh- whoever they hire. I would, I would just think though that, like, if it was something that they cared about, and, and maybe they knew about it too, but like, they're like, eh, no, no one's gonna care, and now somebody did. Well, but I mean, okay, I, I mean, are the, um, you know, if I ever get famous for my book, and I'm doing finger quotes right now around the word famous, nobody gets famous um, for being a writer. I know, I know. Like except for Stephen like, King. Yeah, like I two feel, people. I'm like Stephen King's like the only like one. But like if I if I ever get <laughs> if I ever get famous for anything, is somebody gonna pull up like um you know drunk tweets and Facebook posts oh, I yeah, made they like are. five years ago and be like. Yeah, but the worst it's going to be like is haha, he's incoherent and drunk. Or oh my god, he really loves Asian chicks. <laughs> we'll get to that. No, we won't. But 
<laughs> Although I do have a story that I can briefly tie into that. You don't got to yell at me, I'm bro. not yelling. You're yelling. No, you're, you're talking kind of loud. I'm yelling like a felon. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, Fired. I'm feeling a little less manic than I was last episode, so hopefully it'll be less yelling. Okay. Well, I, you know, whatever ends up happening, for now he's fired. I have a feeling that he's going to get a lot of support. Granted, again, I'm not saying that the things that he wrote 10 years ago weren't taste, they, they were not tasteful, they were not funny, but it was very clear to me when I read them. I didn't get that he was, you could, it was clear to me it was a joke, like he was trying to be funny and edgy, but it's like, it just didn't work. The jokes didn't land, and all of a sudden, 10 years later, he's getting fired from like probably what's like his dream job. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's really crappy, but that's part of the, that's part of the shitty thing with social media is you have to be really careful what you put out there because that all can be used against you. Even if you have a tweet up for like 20 seconds, you're like, oh crap, I need to like delete that because yeah, that makes me look bad. Somebody screen capped it. If you're anybody, you know, anybody who's anybody and they're going to use it against you. So, you know, this is just, even if, for now, you're not anybody. And this, so this is actually relevant to people that are in the indie community. When you're out there on social media and you're, you know, even though right now you might only have one or two comics and nobody knows who you are, there may come a day where, you know, 10 years down the line where you are known and you're, you're James Gunn, you know, yeah. and the next thing you know, those things will take you down. So, you know, you can think what you want in your head, but your social media presence Keep it clean, people. If you don't want people to read it and throw it back in your face later, then don't put it out there. I just found a headline. Uh, after James Gunn ouster, Mike Cernovich turns towards comedians Pat Oswald and Michael Ian Black. So he's digging up old tweets of theirs now. Oh, nice. Yeah, and you know... <sighs> He's a stand-up guy. Pat and Oswald, like, when he's already been through enough shit, like, his wife died, and he ended up getting married relatively quickly to his wife's best friend. Yeah, and then people gave him crap about that, too. Yeah, but his oh. wife, fled before she died, was like, I want you to be with her. She knew, like, like if, well, she didn't know she was going to die, but, like, she was okay, like, if she ever, so, like, if she I ever died. She wanted him to be happy. Like, and not be to, happy, yeah. yeah. So I'm like... You know, and, and they probably got close because they were both grieving over the same person and probably, you know, that that's how these things happen. He's been through enough. Leave him alone. And Michael Ian Black, like, who the hell even cares? I know. Like, he's like so milk toast. <laughs> I love the I love the guy and I think he's funny, but like he's nobody. Yeah. Really, in the grand scheme. Uh, of one of the tweets they found of his was something like, uh, I don't watch I don't like watching iCarly with my daughter because there is nobody on that show that I want to molest. That's clearly a joke. I mean, that's Nobody that's his types kind. That that's legitimately, a, unless well, they're a, a legit molester. That's his kind of humor, though. Like he's done that kind of humor before. I mean, out of context, yeah, that's creepy. But if if you understand that the man is a comedian and comedy is often intended to make us feel uncomfortable, and that's the point. And people make jokes like this all the time. Unfortunately, again. We're living in a time where you can't really say anything because if you do, yeah. I mean, look what happened to Roseanne. I mean, she got fired like that for mm -hmm. a racist tweet that she put out there. I mean, she lost everything because yeah. of it. You can't just say what you want, unfortunately, if you're famous. So people need or semi-famous in Michael Ian Black's case. But so really, again, you know, it's it's one thing to try to make a joke and be funny, but maybe keep molestation jokes. Like, you know, not on your Twitter, like 
just don't do stuff like that. It, it's not really funny per se. And like people are going to use it against you, right? So like what's the point? Yeah, maybe don't um, – and you know, on a similar note, maybe don't do a comedy – uh, special that in retrospect has a lot of date rapey jokes, then date rape a bunch of uh, women, and then have a two bit uh, comedian rise to stardom because he reminded everybody that you did that. Okay, Bill Cosby. Well, Han- I knew Hannibal you were talking. I, I I knew you were talking about Bill Cosby, but I didn't know who the other person was. Yeah, that's nobody knew who he was. Until, <laughs> like, don't um, know what you're talking about. He was about. working. He's been in a few movies. He was working a comedy circle. He his most recent actual claim to fame outside of that is that he's the co-host of the Eric Andre Show, an 11 minute uh, Adult Swim show uh, produced by Tim and Eric. Alrighty, everything ties together. It all ties. It all ties back to HBO. Right. Hashtag. It's all connected. Yep. <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, um, no more molestation or pervert jokes, guys, because clearly this is not working for anyone, yeah. and it's only going to get you in trouble. If you're going to make those jokes, make them in private, <laughs> or just not at all. I mean, I, I personally, I don't find that humor necessarily hilarious or funny. I've heard like one or two groaners where I'm like, oh, that like, in a sense, were funny, but because they were bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, there's I got to be a groan joke in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You got to like, ah. I completely <laughs> removed the perverted principle bit from my book because I was like, this is the wrong kind of funny. This is, this is just wrong. Right. And unfortunately, the reason I think that things like this are so touchy, I mean, it happens in real life. This is a, this is why people take offense. There are certain things you can't really joke about without somebody getting offended and molestation and rape and like inappropriate touching and shit like that. I mean, that happens to a lot of people and it's traumatizing and it's not a joke to a lot of people. And maybe even to some people it's happened to, they can laugh about it, but it's not funny. Nope. So maybe like just keep that shit off your Twitter. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'll be honest too. Just like keep it, keep it clean, guys. If, if you're of, up cleanish. on a – sorry, didn't know you were going to keep going with that. I hey, I never stopped. I wasn't trying to interrupt you. Sorry. Yeah, but you, <laughs> you kept, it was like random random bits of words. But I was going to say it's one thing if you're up on a stage – she's writing down my uh, desagulation right now. Um, <laughs> it's one thing if you're up on stage and it's a comedy routine. It's another thing if it's a one-off, you know, 138-character whatever thing that someone can dig up years later and be like, hey, you said something really perverted. Right. You know, it's agreed. And yeah. we should just get off the subject. Yes. I feel like we got political. We and did. Like, and I don't want to get political. I don't care about anybody's politics. What I All care right. about is if they're good people. What we should talk about because. Wait, wait. The, the takeaway before we move on is stick to poop jokes. Yeah. <laughs> poop jokes. Poop jokes. You know, nobody's going to get that offended. They're disgusting and I don't think they're funny, but I'm not going to get offended by a poop joke. <laughs> good call, Randy. Randy's he's going to be like the next stand up comedian. He's going to just all poop jokes. Well, see, there's nothing wrong with that. And he drinks really fancy drinks. You don't follow him. Like, you're not friends with him on Facebook because he doesn't like you. But no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, But he always uh, posts these photos of these, like, really beautiful looking drinks that I want to totally drink. And I'm, like, jealous. (laughs) I wanted one of those. Go get drinks after the show. We might have to because I'm drinking delicious pear cider from Falling Down Beer Company, but it doesn't. It didn't have an umbrella. It didn't have a piece of fruit in it's it. It's also empty. It's empty now. I was drinking it. Yeah, but it's delicious. Um, so. <laughs> I was gonna say there is something I want to talk about, uh, pop culture related, but it, it does. Uh, 
It does get a bit political, though, so I thought we would segue in the middle to something completely non-political. Stephanie, why don't you tell us about that glorious statue they unveiled? Oh, apparently there's a statue of Jeff Goldblum, and I don't remember exactly. Do you remember where it was? I want to say France for some reason, but I'm going to look it up. It's definitely a foreign country because we're not going to build a Jeff Goldblum uh, statue here, but it's from um, Jurassic Park. So it's like him, that scene where he's like laying there with his his shirt open. The one where they do like the meme where they show Sam Neill like laying on his stomach, like a little tiny Sam Neill, which is one of my favorite memes of all time. And I'm kind of jealous because, you know, I've had a crush on, uh, on Jeff Goldblum since I saw the fly. Even when he was like mostly like flied up, oh, I was gross. like, I'd still hit it. I would still hit it. <laughs> okay, so here's where it is. It's a uh, 25-foot statue placed in front of London's Tower Bridge to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park. And this, and with this, this article on CNET quotes it as saying, Goldblum's mathematician character, Ian Malcolm, with his shirt unbuttoned, is somehow looking sultry even after a T-Rex attack. He always looks sultry. He's like 90 million years old. He still looks kind of the These same. These sculptors though. were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they definitely should have because I, appreci- I appreciate this art. It's a work of art. No, it is. It is amazing. It's it's definitely something. <laughs> it's definitely a thing that got done by some people. I mean, in he, a place. It it takes Detroit all this lobbying and arguing to to even maybe have a chance of getting a RoboCop statue, and then all of a sudden, just boom, Jeff Goldblum shows up in London. But I mean, it's Jurassic Park. Come on, like Jurassic Park, and like we have like the new Jurassic Park coming out, or that already. Well, no, it came out. Of, couple weeks ago a few weeks ago so it's it, you know and it's the anniversary i mean it's still kind of a relevant thing like robocop they did the remake and then nobody i mean we still love robocop i want the robocop statue i am pro robocop uh just so you know my stance on that but i i feel like it makes I'm, well, I'm it's just, more relevant i'm just you know? i'm just saying well no the, well the Ro- robocop statue is supposed to be like a symbol for detroit but right. really the move the movie is a symbol about uh or, or the movie i can't talk because i'm stupid the movie the original was about uh the commercialization and acceptance of violence and just what happens when you put um legal power in the hands of civilian companies like mm-hmm. underneath it being a dumb action movie there's a lot of really smart stuff going on well and i mean if you think about it and i'm just throwing this out there so nobody take this do throw um you know speaking you just know like companies throw, owning like private police forces blah blah yeah. blah and i'm not saying this is a thing but there's a lot going on downtown right now with Quicken Loans and uh, uh, Dan Gilbert, you know, and he's done a lot to help this, the city improve. Like, I'm giving him mad props for that. But, like, you know, the cameras that he's putting up on his buildings are, like, solving crimes. Like, what's the next step? And other buildings without the building owner's permission. That's You know, I heard something about that, and I didn't really like One of the Coney in- places, uh, the owner went out, heard a noise. They were drilling to put cameras on the building, and... Didn't have permission to do so. But hmm. I had not heard but, that. That's interesting. But I did hear about that, about how um, they, they, they're detecting things before cops are even aware of it. And then and then the cops are 
told, hey, well, by yeah. the way, we have footage of this. You yeah, might yeah. want to check this out. The cameras are solving. They're helping to solve crimes which, in Detroit, which is great. But it's kind of funny because it's like a private yeah, company. It's like a private security firm taking right. the place of police. So it's it's as long as it's working, it's great, but it's still kind of creepy. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Until they have their own, like, you know, private security that's, like, roaming the city. Well, they do have private security that roams the city. They stand on corners, and I've seen them, but they don't – I don't think they do anything yet. No. Once they invent a giant robot that can't walk upstairs, then we have to start worrying. Ah! That's, like, my nightmare. Yeah. Actually, aliens. Aliens are my nightmare. Yeah. Aliens. I, oh, my God. So I was working uh, – I was working at the bar last – yeah, it was last night, and there's this guy – Never seen him before. Just like old hippie looking dude, like silver hair, ponytail. And he's, you know, he's talking to me for a minute. Like, you know, he's a really nice dude. And all of a sudden he's like, you know, I like never tell anybody this, but I saw a UFO. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, whoa, man, like I need to hear this story. And it was just a dumb story. Like he was out in the woods at night looking at the stars and like he saw one light hit another light and the other one shot off really fast. And I'm like, yeah, he never tells anybody means it's that's his pickup story. Right. I just <laughs> met him. He just came into my bar. He had only had one drink. He, unless he was high or drunk before he got in there. Uh, did he have like a Hawaiian shirt on? No. Okay. So he might not be a, um, What's that? What's that Margaritaville douchebag? Oh, Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, he might not be a Jimmy Buffett fan, but either way, it was just very. But I just love how he's like, you know, I never tell anybody this. He just met me and he told me, so clearly he tells everyone. Yeah, no, that's that's like you know, oh, I swear I never do this. Yeah, like you go and have a one night stand, you're like, oh my god, I've never done it, and you're like, yeah, I totally have, but I don't want this person to know. And like the other person gives a crap, they just got laid. That was the whole point. Uh, uh, Duh. Like I mean, I think once you're beyond the age of twenty or twenty, well, actually twenty one, I'm going to give you bar age. Yeah. You've had a one night stand. Most people have. It's not a big deal, you know. It took me a little bit longer. Well, I think for some people it does because you know whatever. I've had nights I couldn't but, stand from <laughs> the bar. So, <laughs> but that doesn't really. We're talking about sex or sexual acts with a person, knowing that you will never see them again. Yeah, I know, and it's it's funny. Like, why 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 do you, people feel compelled to make excuses? I know, like. You're, you're, the whole point is you're not going to see him again. Yeah. <laughs> Who like... cares? Maybe it plays into like the fantasy though. Like, oh, I've never done this before. And it's yeah. supposed to make the other person feel like. Then it gets <laughs> Exactly. Randy. See, he knows what's up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've never done this before. I'm such a good girl. <laughs> I'm not usually this type of girl. I know. <laughs> I'm totally that type of girl, except for, you know, I'm married right now. So. Dang. I know, right? <laughs> I'm keep I'm keeping it clean. Sorry, guys. <laughs> She's taken. I know. I'm such a gem. Yeah. <laughs> Diamond in the rough. <laughs> All so, right. So, um, you want to hear my little story? Is it like my little pony? Because you're like, you want to hear my little story? No. I hope it's not my little. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, please go for um, it. Um. So uh, we were talking about this, and you, you uh, didn't really know what it is. And just for anybody else who doesn't, um, there's this really popular game now called Fortnite. Fortnite is what they're calling a battle royale game. Uh, another one that's really popular is uh, Player Unknown's Battleground, or as I like to call it, PUBG. 
because it's usually abbreviated. And the basic idea is a bunch of people all get dropped onto a map. They have to run around, find weapons, kill each other, but the map shrinks. And so it makes it harder and harder to stay alive and also forces it so that one person can't just hide up in a tree and win that way. It's like Hunger Games. So <laughs> kind, kind it, of actually, it, it, yeah. When you say it like that, it's yeah. Hunger Games. <laughs> so, I mean, that's it. It's, I mean, okay, that's fine. Now, I would play Hunger Games, uh, not in real life because I don't want to die. But well, I would be like one of the first ones to go. Like I'm, I'm pretty tough, but like, nah. As soon as that like forest lit on fire, I, I was gonna say, I I've seen the movie, so now first thing I ever try is shoot an electrified arrow up into the dome. It, it just <laughs> straight up. <laughs> anyway, so, so anyway, um, uh, oh yeah, he was telling a story. Yeah. Oh yeah, about, he was telling a story about Hunger Games, and so was I. God damn it. <laughs> anyway, uh, you're going to like where the sun's off, too. Uh, so uh, the makers of Fortnite release uh, – the game's free to play, but they release cosmetic items that you can purchase for money to you know customize your characters. And they just released a Rising Sun mask. Okay, now the thing you have to remember about competitive um, – Competitive online games is that they're very popular in Asian markets, especially like, you know, Koreans. And, uh, it turns out that the Chinese and Koreans still have a big hate boner for Imperial Japan. Uh, China, I think they still have disputed territory. Korea. They have shunned them. Yeah. Well, Korea. For the last thousands of years. Korea hate has. boners are the best boners. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Korea has hated them since like the 1500s. So this has been going on for a while, but they were occupied by Japanese forces as recently as 1945. So right. like the backlash from this community and, and basically like they had no choice but to like pay attention to it. Cause like I said, like that makes up a huge part of their player base. They had no choice but to listen to them. So they removed the item, apologized, refunded the money. And, and the thing that I think that that's, that's funny about that is that like, um, it's like how, you know, like we and China, we have a lot of trade, but there's still that animosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Korea and Japan share a lot of pop culture through trade and through concepts. And this is going to be your favorite part. Uh, one instance of that recently where the, the love of each other's, you know, shit, but the <laughs> hatred of each other as a Poop people. Joke. Poop joke. Yeah. Uh, came to a head is a very popular uh, Korean group, which incidentally has three Japanese members, uh, did a tour in Japan, released a Japanese language album. And this is very common among uh, Korean groups that are doing well because they're trying to bridge the gap. I'm not going to get into names. Don't get that look. A guy was arrested for conspiring to murder because he called the, he called them traitors and said, I'll be waiting at the airport with 10 liters of acid. Wow. So like like this is like pretty serious. So like to bring it back to um and get that 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 look of disgrace off your face. Um to bring it back to the game, it's like I kind of think that like hey, you know, this was just a mask and like you didn't have to get it and maybe we should try not to be racist, but like it's clearly a very intense issue for a lot of people and like backlash over that thing it makes me wonder, like, because a lot of these games, you know, make their money off of 
cosmetic items and something as simple as like a Japanese emblem like sparked like this huge outrage but because again, of it. Th- but that's the culture we live in. Everything is inspiring outrage from people. It's nothing. You can't do anything anymore. Like I sometimes, luckily nobody knows who the hell I am. Like I, I can leave my house and be an idiot. And nobody cares. But, <laughs> but when you're doing something that's like on a global scale like that, where, yeah. you know, a lot of people are playing and, maybe do a culture check like maybe like oh this item looks cool maybe i should look into do a little research do a little you know i i do another show called shot of history we do research for that and it's just a half hour show where we talk about history and get drunk i mean if we can do it anybody can do it (laughs) there was uh, it's called the internet y'all i don't know if you've uh randy don't know He's just like, whatever, man. He, he, he don't Internet, know. Internet, schminternet. He don't know. He don't know. <laughs> uh. Yeah, but, you know, if they ref- if they apologize and refunded, I mean, it's a mistake. They yeah. made a mistake, but in the future, learn from that mistake. If you put in an item that is culturally insensitive, mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe anytime you put in a cultural item, do the research. Yeah. Cause I mean, that, that wasn't, it wasn't something that could be mistaken for anything else. It was the Japanese rising sun emblem. Right. You know, it wasn't just like a, a happy sun, like, hi. <laughs> it was like s- literal symbol of Imperial Japan. Good thing the sun doesn't exist anywhere else but in Japan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. Right. That's why I'm so pasty. <laughs> 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 oh yeah that's why there's so many vampires in america like yeah. it, they just can kind of run free and run rampant yeah i basically just live in a cave it's really awesome <laughs> that's like my dream i want to live in a cold ass cave in the dark but it has to have um wi-fi because i have to be able to watch harlots on hulu because i i'm living for that right now are you mm-hmm. do you want to talk about it it's just do you want to scratch that itch it's just a little show a little show on hulu about these two competing brothels um on fleet street back in i think like the the 1800s Ugh, oh is Ugh. that where the enema got its name probably the fleet brand fleet, i mean yeah i i i'm gonna go with yes even that's probably wrong but i like it <laughs> um it's a really cool show uh and about these like it's cool i find it intriguing because there's like politics involved with you know, hor- and this ties into the shot of history. I'm actually um, going to look into doing a show, Wait, d- um, like about brothels in this part of uh, the country at the time. And this is uh, takes place in Europe, so it's not American. It's it's in Europe. Uh, but anyway, so it's season two just started, and uh, Liv Tyler joined the cast, and she looks amazing in Victorian like dresses and like the wigs and shit. She looks gorgeous and uh yeah it's a really good show there's a lot of death there's a lot of boobs so if you like boobs there's that there's a lot of people having sex in it so if you like watching fake sex there's that but the acting is good and the storyline is also very good so it's kind of like a it has a lot of the aspects of a game of thrones type show but it's like not a fantasy this is like shit that actually realistically could have happened so it's like basically game of thrones but there's like no dragons and like ice zombies. Yeah, there's and none maybe, of that. And had there been any dicks cut off? There's definitely some syphilis. And I mean, there's some weird sores I've seen on some of these people. But, you know, I don't know exactly what those are. So maybe, maybe that's some kind of magic. I don't know. You know, it's, well, yeah, we'll, we'll call it magic. Yeah, we'll call we'll it magic. magic. And also, Glow the Season 2 magic. has been out for a few weeks. So if you haven't watched that, you should watch that. Did it get better? Because it was okay. It's, but it's it wasn't... better than Season 1. I was going to say, I stopped watching Season 1. 
Season two is better. Yeah, because I kind of to drag myself through season one, but I really love um, Alison Brie. And I I liked her character and I wanted to see where it was kind of going. Season two is better. It's so it's improving and it's and then I watched the uh, the documentary about the the gorgeous women of wrestling or ladies, ladies of wrestling women ladies whatever I mean I didn't acronym ladies. it right but <laughs> all the ladies <laughs> uh, but you know it was really cool to kind of see you know watch the show and then compare it to the the lives of the you know the people that actually did it so yeah pretty cool I'm not a huge wrestling fan anymore I used to be but it was. It was good, so check it out. Sorry, that was a really weird segue, but check it out. I've had like about seven ounces of uh, pear cider, so apparently. And where can you get that at? <laughs> Falling Down Beer Company. <laughs> and if you mentioned Falling Down, or that you heard about it on this podcast, especially, I work Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Just be like, yeah, I heard your podcast. Can I have a dollar off? Can I have a dollar? Did you ever? You don't watch Portlandia. You know you wouldn't. Get I, it. I've watched it at your house. <laughs> it's a good show. I just don't have time okay. for things that aren't sitting on my bed. Um, real um, and like just like trying to support the crushing realization of my own bleak future, and <laughs> you know the 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 ever opening void in front of me. Wow! So I just don't get around to turning on Netflix a lot. That's really sad. And also my Netflix is on my Wii U and they stopped like supporting it. So like the touch, they took away touchscreen functionality for no, for no reason. Are you serious? Yeah. And it's not on the Switch yet. Like I have it on my cable box, but my cable box is so unresponsive. Like I don't even want to set it up. Mm -hmm. So it's like I don't actually have anything attached to my TV right now that'll properly run Netflix. Just get yourself like a cheap Blu-ray player, and they usually have it where you can put it on there. Because well, I've got a cheap Blu-ray player. It's a, it's an actual Sony one. It's nice, but I don't I don't know if it's got. It might actually have it. I'll have to check. Yeah, check it out because that's I know people that use that. Um, oh, was I just gonna say? Oh my gosh. Blu-ray, the way of the future, not those HD DVDs. No. That was a thing for a while, for like a minute. I can't remember. DM seven ounces of pear cider. Seven ounces of pear cider. It's crazy. Um all right, so what do we got next? I know we uh we were gonna talk a, a little bit. There's some I don't want to talk about any more weird we, weird video I, game you know, awful let's, stuff. Let's just go with science. Science is always science? cool. Let's go with science. Okay. <laughs> I rolled the roulette wheel, and we're just going to go with science. All right. So, Which doesn't um, make sense because I just totally picked that. Back anyway. in May, uh, for any of you science nerds, this is going to get a little technical. For you non-science nerds, uh, go get yourself some pear cider and come on back You know, after I'm done. But, um, <laughs> so one of the big mysteries of the universe is that on a large scale, gravity doesn't seem to work the way we think it does. And we think that there's basically matter that we can't. Uh, detect. Stephanie, by the way, does like science, but is still leaving to get more pear cider. Yeah. So scientists, as eloquent as always, have called this dark matter, and the the hunt is what is it? What could it be? Well, they may have discovered this particle, which they are calling the sterile neutrino, which is again science at its most hilarious and mundane at the same time. But it interacts with absolutely nothing except through gravity. And if if this particle turns out to be real, it may explain you know why the universe doesn't work quite right according to our theories, and it may actually be. The most common thing in the universe. What do you think about that, Stephanie? I have pear cider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to bounce a few things off you, but it's too late now. Well, you mentioned somebody getting pear cider. They're called sterile neutrinos. 
<laughs> sterile neutrinos. Yes, because they, they only interact via gravity. Whereas the three common types of neutrinos, the tau, muon, and electron neutrino, like to basically do almost nothing and occasionally will like nudge a particle like this. Hey, bro, don't nudge me. Yeah, but like, <laughs> meanwhile, a thousand others of me just ran right past you. But the one was just like, hey. So like these sterile neutrinos, like they can't get the other neutrinos pregnant. They're like, <laughs> they're <laughs> shooting blanks. <laughs> the other neutrinos make them. I don't think they make the other neutrinos. Well, they can't because they're, they're sterile. sterile. <laughs> <sighs> I, I know. I just made that like not awesome at all but no I no i mean that was pretty dry so let's talk about something funnier in science it's actually kind of weird so scientists do tend to have a sense of humor and uh <laughs> they do <laughs> well yeah well they've gone to naming genes after uh pop cultural things for fun so did they name a gene after gene from bob's burgers because that would be amazing the gene gene yeah or the eugene gene eugene gene <laughs> Uh, no, but they have, uh, there is one named after Pokemon. Uh, there is one that's called the Sonic the Hedgehog gene. And the problem was, like, they found out that it actually causes a birth defect after they had named it. Oh, what so, does it cause? I, I don't remember off the top <laughs> of my head, but basically the downside is, is that now if, like, let, let's say your kid has this disease and the doctor has to explain it to you, the doctor literally has to say to you, there's a defect in your child's Sonic the Hedgehog gene. <laughs> so there's actually this like um, body now in the scientific community that's like, we have to stop doing this because we can't give people bad news. It sounds hilarious. <laughs> but that's, if, I, if somebody's going to give me bad news, I want it to sound hilarious. I need it to be like, I, I need it to take a minute to sink in after I laugh. That's just me personally, though. I if, mean, and they if, do this stuff all the time. Like there's a species of something. I forget what it is, but. It's like uh, species name is like Cthuluensis. Like they, they we're, we're yeah. running out of words. We got to use fun stuff. <laughs> so, this over here is blurp blurp. <laughs> so make sure, yeah, make sure your uh, Sonic the Hedgehog gene gets uh, checked out for defects. Yeah, and actually, speaking of Sonic, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, they have a new game. I'm sure it's going to be terrible. But tell me about uh, it. No, I actually watched a YouTube video of it the other day. It's out on the Switch. It's out on the PS4 and the uh, Xbox One. And it's... Uh, Do you know what it's called? Because like, there's like a million of them. I think it's uh, Sonic Smash Plus or something like that. Hold on. Is get... it like traditional side-scroller Sonic? Yes. Okay. Well, at least there we've got a chance for glory. And I actually remember Sonic Mania Plus. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. So there was it, there was a Sonic Mania, and that actually I I understand was pretty good. Yeah, and so this is Sonic Mania Plus, and, and you said it's on the Switch. Yes, it is on the Switch. I might have to pick it up because I still only have one cartridge game on the Switch and like four downloaded games because again, almost all the good stuff I already own on Wii U. But oh, speaking of games, the mm -hmm. um, new Smash Brothers is in the works. But here's another Wii. one. I know. Here's another one, and I'm a little disappointed because I bought you the damn thing, and you never played it with me, uh, but uh, there's a new Dead or Alive coming out. Woo! Dead or Alive 5 no, was literally probably the best fighting game I've ever played. Well, see, the problem is I, I never use my PC anymore, and I will start using it more um, once uh, the new Theme Hospital game comes out this year. Did you ever go on, uh, was it... it itchy.io or it might have been that other site. There was a site that had Theme Hospital on No, it, I didn't and I'm going to need that link from you yeah, again because to, until the new game that. comes out, I would love to cure people of the squits. Well, yes, of <laughs> the squits. <laughs> the squits. They wanted to say squirts, but they tried to keep it 
poop joke, by the way. They tried <laughs> to keep it a little bit classier. Yeah. A slight bit. The it, king complex. The, yeah. The guy walks in, looked like dressed as Elvis because. And then you need a psychiatrist to cure that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, a great game. And I, uh, as soon as the new one comes out, I'm going to do like a full on review because well, I will obsessively play. I won't leave my house for a week. Let's be honest. I'm going to beat the goddamn game in a week. I know that's the one you're looking forward to. Me, I'm still looking forward to yeah. that bloodstained, the, uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night style game by the guy who produced Castlevania Symphony of the Night. So, ah, mm-hmm. uh, so we we got our games we're looking forward to. Yeah, I don't really game so much anymore unless it's a uh, Splatoon two, which actually today is the uh, one year anniversary of the release, and that's why they're doing the special Splatfest. So if you play Splatoon two, make sure to go on today um, up until midnight to play uh, Splatfest. The um, shifty stations level is really fucking cool. It's actually cool. really smart. Really, yeah. I like the way it's designed. Yeah, it's really cool. And I had so much fun playing it before I came to work. Or I, I called this work. <laughs> this, this isn't work, but it, uh, I mean, it does a little bit, but you know. Um, the the theme, too, is squids versus um, Oct- octopuses. Octopuses. Octopi is not a word, y'all. Yeah, apparently it's not. Um, I prefer the Greek octopodes. I have heard that occasionally. That yes. sounds very. I, I, that sounds like very like noble. I like that one. That's good. Um, Octopodes. Yes, I'm gonna use it. But uh, the reason it's squid versus octopuses, octopodes, <laughs> is, not, is not just because <laughs> you know that's kind of been the single player thing all along. But now, if you beat the octo expansion, which by the way is harder than I thought it was, it's gonna really be. hard. I only got through like five levels. Yeah, I mean, I I, like, I'm enjoying it. it, but it's it's going very slowly. But if you beat that, you can now play as an octoling for like the first time ever. Yeah, and I think it's funny though because like I've seen teams like Team Octopus, and it's like all squids. I'm like, oh, you like the octopus? You just couldn't beat the expansion. Uh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't beat it either. So, well, I mean, you can. I mean, if you fail to stage three times, it lets you just win. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, you keep paying to get extra lives, the in-game currency, right? And then if you do it badly enough, it's like, all right, you just want to win. You're like, yeah. Now you don't get the little, um, the little figurine from it but those don't really matter all those do is unlock gear you know how much damn gears in the game nobody cares yeah right if the stage is too hard it will literally let you just yeah because i'm stuck where if i go left or right i have one of the ones where you have the ball and you have to guide it you know kick it or like you next time i, next time I come it. over though i'll play that with you if you want because i'm that those stages so I'm, I'm a little bit better at bad at it i'm so fucking bad at it i'm really good at this game and all the levels before that i was like really good at and and i was getting frustrated i wanted to throw my controller so i just stopped playing the expansion and i didn't want to give up on it so quickly because i only played like seven levels i but, think you know, i think i'm whatever. doing better because i have a lot more single player experience oh. than that because i've beat both games campaigns well and you have a lot more patience when it yeah, comes to video true. games i get like frustrated yeah, I, I can quick. i can definitely attest to that <laughs> a lot of single play, player experience is that a euphemism yes <laughs> yes yes it, I, is. it is but and, and he's I like ready this. player one yes yeah. i am <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. But I, I, this is definitely, definitely true of shooters, and I experienced this firsthand with Doom, which, by the way, is getting an awesome sequel that I cannot wait to get. Uh, but the, the the most recent Doom game, like, I'm, like, really good at it. I 
stopped because the last stage was annoying and I haven't gone back to it, but I kind of just got other games and stopped playing it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like r- pretty darn good at it. And then I tried to play multiplayer and it was just like, why am I even bothering? It's, it, the skill set does not transfer over. Right. So even with Splatoon, uh, single player is a really more about fluid camera work and movement at the same time. To a, to a, it, it's just it's just different than multiplayer somehow. Somehow it's different. Somehow I manage. <laughs> somehow I manage by Michael Scott. By Michael Scott. <laughs> the the best book never written. <laughs> uh, that um, speaking of, I think they somebody actually wrote or put out a joke copy of "Wish It Wanted Do It" from Family Guy, and I believe oh, it does actually no. include mostly blank pages. That's amazing. Where you, you you fill in what you want. You know, make them do the work, right? Right. Um, real quick, we're about to go on break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, Joseph Dewis. And we're going to talk a little bit about Dr. Orange and all things about horror and writing and psychology. I'm looking forward to that. I did really quickly want to mention um, one of my friends, David Hayes, has this badass Kickstarter going on. A lot of my friends have Kickstarters going on right now. It's kind of crazy. Um, it's called uh, Kringle. A revenge story and I've already backed it. Um, it'll be up for the next nine days. So you can find it on Kickstarter. It's almost fully funded. Um, I think it was only like a, like a 15 day Kickstarter. So they did like a really short one and it's, uh, it's basically a story about, um, Santa like, you know, takes his reindeer. He's like somewhere in like, uh, let's see. Oh, Arizona. He crashes into Arizona with his reindeer and like he goes like to try to find help and then he comes back and somebody murdered all his freaking reindeer. So of course he goes on a bloody revenge streak as you do when somebody fucks with your reindeer. So that is um what this is all about and David Hayes is if you don't know of his work he's he's a <laughs> he's hilarious. He's a stand-up human being, and anything that he writes, you should read it because you will definitely walk away uh, a, a better human in some aspects. Not all, but now, some. Now, didn't he make a movie? He was in UFO, The Otis and, Files. And wasn't he, that movie kind of basically a lengthy poop joke? Yes. Okay. Uh, he was the star, actually, of the movie. I was in it, as well as uh, Dave from IT and the D. Who is not me today. It, who was, it was, yeah, he was here for like a minute, Randy. and then he left. <laughs> That's going to be your thing now anytime anytime he sees you. But yeah, so UFO, uh, the Otis Files, he was the star. He was uh, Otis and um, he's a pleasure to work with and he is a, a fantastic human being. So anyway, go check that out on Kickstarter right now. It's up for the next nine days um, from this live show. And uh, we're going to go to break. And when we come back shortly after six o'clock, we will have Joseph Dewis. All right, welcome back to the Way Station. Uh, thank you for hanging on through the break. And now we have with us Joseph Dewis. How are you, Joseph? Good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I did, I finally, <laughs> I've been so slacking on scheduling guests for our show. And you were one of the first people when I was like, yeah, hey, I'm scheduling, you know, for the show again. That was like, can I come on and talk? And I'm like, heck yeah, especially because. You know, we're we're talking uh, psychological horror, which is my it's one of my favorite types of horror. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I remember you saying you're, you're a psychologist. I have I have a I have a BS in psychology, but I decided not to go further with it. But it's always something I'm really interested in. 
Absolutely. I mean, psychology is definitely interesting and it gives a whole different dimension to horror. Cause like, you know, there's like the hack and slash horror. There's like different, def- definitely different genres. And I feel like there's more done with like the hack and slash and like the serial killers and things of that nature than there is, uh, when it, you know, comes to the, the psychological aspect, especially in comics, maybe not so much in movies. Um, but before we get into that, why don't you, um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi, well, my name is Joseph Dewis. Uh, I'm a comic book uh, writer and and creator and publisher. And um, so I've mostly done these uh, one-shot horror comics. Uh, we did three last year. Uh, I've done some anthology stories. And, <clears throat> and Dr. Orange is going to be our new, uh, a bit, uh, our big one this for this year. And I think I read something. Um, and you're, Are you putting this out as a web comic as well? Yeah, it's out as a webcomic um, on Land Webtoon and Tapas. Uh, I also put it on my own website. Um, but uh, yeah, the, so the the way it works is it's going to end the Friday before Halloween, which I think is the 26th of October uh, on the webcomic. Uh, but people who back the back the Kickstarter, they'll have the PDF like well before then. So people who back the Kickstarter will be able to read it, the ending of it first. Uh, the whole thing, the whole thing will be on the webcomic, but. Uh, like I said, you can get a print copy or a PDF copy with Kickstarter. Uh, print copy is going to be a little bit later than that, but uh, but yeah, if you get a PDF copy, you'll be able to read the ending first, which is really the most important part. Absolutely. So you said you put out a couple of other one shots. Why don't you like which? What are they called so that people can kind of look for them? Um, the first one is called The Order of Dracula. Um, it kind of blends the Hammer style um, Dracula with uh, history it's about it takes place in 1900 it's a about an irish patriot and he wants to you know separate from the uk this is when all of ireland was under the uk and and uh he kind of is part of a, a brotherhood that undertakes political assassinations and and um he allies with dracula to help him to advance his political aims and the whole story is about how he has, has to undergo this test of loyalty to dracula um and um, then the second one is called Bless the Children. It was a Western. Uh, it takes place in 1847. Um, and it's about a, a failed westward expedition. And they get trapped in the mountains in Northern California. And there's only one guy who who, who gets separated. And, and then um, he finds himself in this small town. And it's almost entirely abandoned. And, and he starts seeing these, these children everywhere that nobody else can see. And... Um, Creepy, and then it just gets <laughs> it just gets worse from there. Yeah, but pretty much all of them get in with it. Just gets worse from there. Uh, <laughs> and then the, the third one was Cat and Mouse. Um, it's a uh, manga style uh, comic. Um, the the artist actually is a it's not like all mangas. Um, it's Indonesian, um, but uh, it's it takes place in Japan, and it's uh, if. If most extreme elimination challenge or a horror comic, um, uh, it's about these two celebutants and they, uh, you know, have never had to work or anything, and, and they live in Tokyo, but they had kind of like this dream of getting away from the paparazzi and moving out to the country, and they move out to the country, but they, you know, have no idea what to do once they get there, so they just kind of like party and get drunk and. And they, when they wake up, they find themselves in this small village, and their car is is wrecked, and they have no idea where they are, and they have no money or phones anymore. So um, they volunteer to be 
contestants in these game shows so they can win some money. And it's one of those like um, extreme game shows with physical challenges and stuff. Um, but, you know, everything's like kind of uh, uh, strange about the game show. Um, and then things just get worse from there. <laughs> and was, things get worse from there. That I was like going to be that. my guess. Mm-hmm. I was gonna <laughs> think, I'm going out on a limb here, but I'm going to guess things go worse from there. <laughs> right. And, you know, some of those uh, those Japanese game shows are already – pretty out there and and you would know because you're our, you're the resident uh k-pop j-pop well mostly k-pop i'm person i, I know things I, I know things and stuff and stuff so i win yeah uh, i mean <laughs> yeah it was kind of inspired inspired by like back when those game stores were like really really visible in the u.s um you know, like you kind of think about like what's the what's the horror potential in this situation like what could what could go wrong you know I do not know how people have not lost their heads on Ninja Warrior unless maybe they just don't broadcast those episodes. Because, I mean, there's, like, things just flying back and forth and, like, people are just getting knocked out. (laughs) And then there's the ones where, I mean, there's the weird ones where they, I I don't want to talk about it. but We're not going to talk about those weird ones. Yeah. (laughs) It's not that kind of show. I think the, the truth is probably stranger than the fiction. That that's usually I think uh, the, the case. So another question for you: What got you? Like what? What is like? What got you into horror? Why horror? What? Why is that? Like what you feel like writing? Um, I mean, I'm not totally limited to horror. Um, but um, yeah, mostly on horror. I kind of got so like when I was younger, I was writing like all comedy stuff. I had this idea for a horror story, you know, like H.P. Lovecraft said in Supernatural Horror and Literature that everybody has like one weird tale that they have to sell. Like, so, so I kind of got an idea for that, but I really had no idea like how to write horror. Um, so I just sort of studied it for years and years. Um, like, you know, so it's like something that I was only sort of vaguely aware of when I was smaller with the universal monsters and stuff like that. But then I just sort of like, plunged into it like in in college and later um just trying to catch up with all the horror stuff and and kind of like horror rpgs and and just like deconstructing everything so i could kind of figure out how to do it uh, and then and then when i finally like decided i was gonna write comics like i i didn't know how to do anything else at that point so <laughs> so like i'm a, i'm i'm doing horror that's it yeah <laughs> yeah like i, I, I kind of forgot i do everything else so. And who are your uh, influences when it comes to horror? You know, movie, comic, literature. You know, whatever. What, what, what really? What, what helped you decide to be the kind of horror writer you you want you be you became? I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's. Um, I, I mostly tend to veer towards the less graphic stuff and more sort of like suspense, um, or. Uh, or psychological and kind of like, I think also it's kind of hard to do a jump scare like in comics because, you know, you just, it, it didn't have the same effect as being on screen. Um, but I think it's, you can, what you can do is kind of build a sense of dread. Um, and that's, that's that type of horror where it kind of seems like nothing's happening for the most part, but there's sort of mundane things happen, but then, then they seem, a little bit strange. Um, 
that's the kind of horror uh, that I like. Um, things like the Twilight Zone, um, you know, the old uh, EC Comics, William Gaines, um, you know, with Tales from the Crypt and and all that kind of stuff. And and their, I mean, and their crime and sci-fi stuff is basically the same as the horror stuff. They just sort of tweaked a little bit. Um, and uh, Edgar Allan Poe, um, um, you know, some love. I haven't really done anything it's too cosmic or like the Lovecraft stuff. Um, but I, I might uh, at some point, um, you know, um, I, and, and I like slashers and stuff like that too, but I, I, I feel like I don't really have too much to say that hasn't been said about that. Um, I like the classics like Halloween, um, using some of the imagery for Halloween for the, uh, the advertisements are going for Dr. Orange. Um, because I, I feel like uh, the, the early posters for Halloween and Halloween two, Halloween, even Halloween three, which I think most people hate. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, so uh, those kind of things. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I think that Twilight Zone is probably the closest where I come down. Um, because a lot of stuff on Twilight Zone wasn't like straight horror. They, they always kind of had like a twist ending, but sometimes it was suspense or, or there was some sci-fi or whatever, but, I love the Twilight Zone. It was always interesting. It, like, in it, it was it, it relied more. I think again, like on the psychological aspect. It was there was some that was kind of like obviously there were like monsters and it was you know kind of like over the top like that. But overall, I think I mean the Twilight Zone's classic. If you're if you're into horror, you kind of I feel like you kind of have to love the Twilight Zone. <laughs> they did a lot of yeah. stuff too that was really. Um, I, I would say psychological. I wouldn't necessarily say horror. It depends on how well you identify with the characters and, and what, uh, what they're going through. And I think a great example of that was the one where, you know, everybody disappears and, and the guy's like, Oh, I can read now. I have nothing else to do. And then like his glasses breaks and he's like, it's not fair. I, there was time now. I know that was, that was really sad actually like for that guy. The one it was thing devastating. he would have given anything for, he had a glimpse of it and then it was taken away from him. And that's, that's true horror, man. Yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah, first by his own hubris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but it wasn't just Twilight Zone. Like, um, there was some similar stories, like, 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 uh, there was stuff on TV, like Night Gallery, um, Tales from the Dark Side. Uh, yeah. Amazing stories. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, always good. Always good. So yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, Dr. Orange because that's, you know, that's like the newest thing you've got coming up. And I'm, I'm really kind of interested to know, like, I mean, where did this idea come from? So, uh, all these ideas come to me in just really mundane situations. Um, it was in 2011 and, um, I was at home by myself. Um, my wife was in med school, so she was and it was like a, I, I think I was on ship for her, So that's why I was home and she was in med school and it was, a, it was only like a few days before Halloween. And I was like, Oh, I haven't covered my jack on yet. So I, that's something I try to do every year. So I went into my balcony, I was like, carving it. <clears throat> and I just kind of had this thought about like, what would happen if I, uh, and I had this like huge knife and I was like, what if I just slipped and I like, uh, and I killed myself and nobody would be here and I would just bleed up to death, you know, and I would die. And, and, um, <laughs> you know, a, that's so, a fun thought. So then, Call the void. Yeah. So then I, and then I was like, okay, well, like what, what would happen if, 
you know, it wasn't my fault. Like, what if it was really like something else that was after me? Like, I still wouldn't really have anything. And then I thought about like, oh, why, why would this, why would there be something after me that there would be nothing I could do about it? Like I couldn't call the police. Um, like it would have to be something where no one would believe me, you know? So I started thinking about the jack-o'-lantern, um, because it has kind of a persona. It's like, it's like a face. And so, um, so I, I kind of like within like a week or so, I, I wrote out this whole short story about it and, and, um, and I call it the pumpkin and, and then I just kind of forgot about it for a while. And then last year, um, I was doing, I decided for a national write a novel month that I was going to just kind of write comics and say, so, um, so like, I got to just redo that and make it into a comic because it was, it was a story that I liked so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I could, I had lost, uh, the, the short story that I'd written, you know, like six years ago. Oh, so, so, uh, <laughs> so I was like, but I remember like all the main beats of it. So I, I rewrote it. I added some stuff to it. I changed a lot of it. Um, um, I really focus more on the on the the background of the character, um, you know, having psychological problems ahead of time, to kind of make it seem more like she's an unreliable narrator. Um, you know, like with the Edgar Allan Poe is doing that. Like, you know, you, you have these characters who you're not sure if you can trust them, but they're your window into the world. You know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. Those are tricky stories to tell, too, because it's like a fine line you have to walk. Because you have to tell a story, but you have to make your reader be like, um, okay, are, are, are you sure about that? Like, like it is, I think, it, it takes it takes a good author to to write that, definitely. And and I think I think that it shows through in this story is, is that, that that's a really, I mean, that's the obvious thing, but that is the, the greatest way to put it is that the story is through her eyes, but you can't really trust her eyes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and then, you know, like <clears throat> it's one of those things too, where I've been to some, some of the previous comments then too, like there's a, there's a lot of things that are going on where you're not necessarily going to notice it the first time you read it. Um, and, and, <laughs> and I think, you know, uh, if you go back a couple times and you start thinking about um, certain aspects of story, um, you know, like you you begin to realize that things aren't consistent in the story. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, um, you know, like one thing is the personal pronouns used to refer to Dr. Orange change throughout the story, and every time they do, it means something else. So, you know, it's it's <clears throat> it's something that I really love doing. Uh, kind of rewarding people who pay attention um you know like maybe maybe the first time through you're you kind of feel dread because you know something bad's going to happen um but then the second time through you're going through and kind of picking up on it well why don't you tell us a little bit about the team that you worked with on this book yeah so um the team uh the colorist is melana ferris who is just really awesome um i worked with him previously he did he's he's done every single piece of the comic process and usually does all of them um but uh he he did the, the line art for us on cat and mouse which was a black and white comic um but then i i um uh he he kind of comes to me the end of last year and was like hey you know i need some 
need some work. And I was like, well, you know, if you can do some coloring, like I have this, you know, cover, I'm just going to, I hadn't even like done any of the rest of the art. It was like, I have this, co- I have this cover that's done that I just really needed to be colored. And he colored the cover and I was like, this is the best like coloring I've ever seen, you know? So, so I was like, you gotta do the, the whole interior. Um, and I, <clears throat> and I told him, I said, just make it in fall colors, you know? And he just took it like to the extreme <laughs> and made everything like shade, almost everything shades of orange. Um, he even made the dog orange the first time. I was like, no, nah, that's looks like a little bit too much. But, um, <clears throat> yeah. And then the, uh, the line artist is, uh, is, is Raul Orte Crespo. He's a, uh, he's a Spanish, um, uh, comic artist. He's been doing it for a really long time. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff in Spain and for some small press, uh, American publishers too. Um, but, uh, he's been doing it for a decade plus and, um, I, I just kind of saw him on Facebook and was like, Hey, you know, I need a job. And, and, um, I looked at his stuff and I was like, this looks pretty much exactly what I want for this book. So, so, um, so I got him on board and, and, uh, he was pretty much in sync with me, um, almost from the beginning and what exactly we want to do with it. Um, and then our cover artist is Greg Warnchek. He was our mind artist for Bless the Children of Western Comic. And, um, um, I had him, do with online art for the for the cover uh, so he was he's kind of he's the character designer for dr um <laughs> uh, i was just like just make him a pumpkin and like put some costume you know like <laughs> uh so so uh yeah greg greg i mean he's been around for a long time he's, he's done like a ton of um uh, of small press comics I'm digging uh, the cover. Thank you again for sending us over the review copy of the PDF. We appreciate it. So we were able to kind of like, you know, actually like, you know, know what we were talking about, which is great, but also getting, you know, getting a little, uh, we get the scoop before some other people. So, you know, it's kind of cool. It's, and it's like, there's, there's definitely yeah. certain things I want to discuss, but I'm afraid like of giving stuff away. <laughs> well, know. and you know, we haven't yeah. really talked about like the general, uh, you know, the general story. So um, why don't, like, we we could probably talk about that, right? That should be okay. Like, the overall yeah. idea of the story. So why don't you, like, give our listeners, like, an idea of what to look forward to when your Kickstarter comes out. What is Dr. Orange about? Dr. Orange is about a uh, schizophrenic who is isolated um, for the most part. Um, she lives in suburban Mississippi. It's in an ex- exurb of, of Memphis. Um, and she pretty much doesn't work. Um, she, her only companion all the time is her dog, Rusty, uh, who's a border collie. And, um, she's married, but her wife is a neurosurgeon. So she's never home. Um, so she carves a jack-o'-lantern for Halloween and, after that, starts having dreams of other Jacqueline coming after her. Um, and then uh, when she wakes up, things are changed. Um, and she starts wondering whether she's having hallucinations again, uh, or whether this <clears throat> Jacqueline is really after her, or whether it's trying to gaslight her. Uh, there's, there's a lot of ambiguity in it. So, yeah, and we definitely don't want to say, you know, what happens from there because that's where all the fun is. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when does your Kickstarter launch? Uh, it launches on August 14th and it goes through September 7th. Uh, 
So it's 25 days. Then I'm going to do a whole month because it's just too much stress. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kickstarters are very stressful. Um, from everybody that I know that has run them, um, it's they're very time consuming, and you know you want to make sure you're getting cool things to the people that you know back you. What kind of tiers do you have for people that are um, going to be backing the Kickstarter? Uh, well, I have a lot of tiers. I have 12 tiers. Um, um, but I'll just kind of go over some of the basic stuff that's available on them. Um, so you can get a PDF of the comic, um, get a print copy of the comic, um, and then we have deluxe versions of the of the comic, which include commentary pages and the original script, uh, and that's 72 pages. Uh, <clears throat> so PDF and print version of that. Um, there's a composer that I know that I got to do a Dr. Orange original theme song that's going to be downloadable uh, with most of the digital tiers, um, there is a there's a there's a Dr. Orange sticker. Uh, there's a Dr. Orange art print of the of the of the cover. Uh, there's there's a Dr. Orange Halloween mask. Um, oh man! That that is like it, it's it's like it's really only available at like the, the 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 top tier because it's really expensive. Um, I think I had to get it uh, made um, custom made so. <laughs> it's like made out of latex, like the kind of uh, stuff that they had on the masks in Halloween three. Um, so it's like pretty high quality. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so the guy who made it, he's like, uh, one of those, um, he's like a professional mask sculptor. He works on those like, uh, uh, haunted Halloween nights or whatever in Orlando. Um, but, um, <clears throat> Yeah, and then we also have also like all the back catalog for all the other comics that we did and deluxe editions of all that and stickers and our prints for all that stuff. Um, we also have um, Nerd Nation Presents number two, which is the last comic that I had an anthology. So that's kind of um, a bunch of different indie uh, creators in that one. And I really had so many different combinations of stuff because I kind of talked with my, some of my previous backers and, and what they wanted, so... Um, if anybody wanted, you know, a certain, you know, like, I only want these three comics or I only want these, you know, whatever. So I have <laughs> a lot of different tiers, but it goes from $2 to like 560 Yeah. Yeah. So you can get the PDF for $2. Uh, it's all you want. So. Heck yeah. So it sounds like there's a little bit of something for everyone, which is, that's how you do it, man. That sounds awesome. I mean, I, f- I feel like I need a Dr. Orange sticker because I'm like, <laughs> I'm just digging like the glasses, really. I really feel like that was a good idea to put the glasses on the pumpkin. It yeah, makes I don't even remember why like, <laughs> I did that. Because like, I, 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 when I rewrote it, I was like, oh, he's, he's got to be called Dr. Orange and he's got to have glasses and like, you know, like, <laughs> like I just have no idea why I thought of that, and and uh, and then when I was like writing like all the the captions, like that's one of the first things that she says is like I have no idea why I'm putting glasses on. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> because so. it's awesome. That's why. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of biographical. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You threw a little bit of your own journey into that story. I like <laughs> it. Um. So yeah. Oh, oh go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I was going to say he's he's got to be a psychotherapist. He's got to be a doctor. So I was like, how am I going to, you know, signify that he's like intelligent? You know, <laughs> glasses, yo. I wear glasses, yeah. so I appreciate you. 
uh, saying that they denote intelligence. I'll take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a win, man. It's a win. <laughs> take all the wins you can. Yeah. Exactly. There's so few yeah. in life. Uh, so no, if anybody wants to um, check out anything that you've done previously or wants to like get a hold of you and, you know, talk to you about your work or whatever, how can people find you on the interwebs? Um, so I have a website at com. That's our company. Um, there is a, there's a Twitter, Heresy Studios LL, because I hit the care tournament. Uh, and then there's one at Instagram, Heresy Studios LLC Comics. Uh, there's also a preview, there, and there's a Facebook page, Heresy Studios LLC. Uh, there's also a Kickstarter preview page, which will, it will eventually link to the live Kickstarter page, is drorangecomic.com. Um, and then to sign up for the mailing list, you can go to drorangecomic.com slash sign up. So that should be everything. Beautiful. So, all right. So August 14th is when the Kickstarter drops, you guys. So definitely go check it out. Back it. Share it on your social media pages. It's a really fun read, and I feel like you will enjoy it, especially if you like psychological horror and pumpkins wearing glasses. Thank you so much, Joseph, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And we are going to be back in two weeks. I actually, uh, next week I have two interviews. So it's going to be like a really crazy show. Instead of us doing our first hour banter, it's two back to back interviews. We have, uh, Kelly Frazier and Tom Hutchinson joining us. So we can talk a little bit about, uh, how he's doing the forward for my comic. But thank you again so much to Joseph Dewis for coming on the show, Dr. Orange. Kickstarter, August 14th. And until next time, keep it indie.